0: Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience.
1: Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Ed Epley, and uh, I'll be your facilitator and one of your hosts for today. Uh, you're all going to be mu- muted. Uh, I see a, a, a number of names out there of, of friends and clients, and uh, there's a couple of you that I don't, Sean, under no, under no circumstances, unmute Rob Ludwig um i don't want to hear from him at all come on (laughs) please uh, do not unmute him (laughs) we might violate all kinds of legal and and, uh, moral things if if i let him talk um we have a we have a an hour that will go very fast today um we're, we're trying to provide a platform for discussion, Um, and it may become something more than a one-time event if you want it to, but our our goal is that you will get answers, uh, hopefully, and see to what extent you're running and operating your business similar to others in these uh, hectic, crazy times. um, We're gonna divide this meeting up into two halves. The first half will be the panelists responding to questions they've been getting from their clients, and then the second half will be responding to questions that we get from you via chat. If you're uh, familiar with uh, Zoom at the bottom of your screen, if you scroll down there, um, you'll be able to uh, click on chat. And you can send a question that will go to Joel Kessel. He'll, he'll be screening those questions and sending those to me. And then I'll be in turn uh, deciding which ones we're going to try to get answered uh, right now today. Um, for those questions that don't get answered, we will try to go ahead and get answers for those, as many as we can, if not all. And we'll post those on our website. Um, Let's see. In addition, um, I'm checking my notes here. Bear with me. Oh, please forgive us. Uh, we are trying to do uh, progress, not perfection. So this has all been put together in literally the last, uh, three and a half business days. And so, uh, the fact that we haven't done this before, if you see glitches or, uh, it doesn't come across as smooth or as perfect as we'd like it to, uh, that's on me, nobody else. Um, And I want to talk a bit about our panelists. So uh, in no particular order, Janet Grazer and I have worked together. She's out in California. Janet, wave to the audience. And uh, she got up early and she sequestered her kids probably somewhere that uh, we don't want to talk about. But she's she's, uh, with us to talk about PR and communications. She's a veteran of uh, Cardinal Health and also uh, Johnson & Johnson. Lance Tyson, wave LT and I were partners together for uh, seven, no, 10 years and um, worked together in Dale Carnegie and uh, I still serve on his board. Lance is as good an expert on sales uh, and sales management of anybody that I know in the country. So he's going to talk about those areas. Alicia Shaw, wave Alicia. She is our legal and HR expert and uh, she's going to talk about what she's seeing from her clients on um, the challenges of dealing with personnel and uh, what, what happens when you uh, put somebody in furlough and whatnot. And then last, we have Scott McComb. Uh, Scott, if you'll uh, say hello, wave to folks. Scott's our banking and finance guy. And Scott and I go, Scott, do you remember when you were in the class I taught for Dale Carnegie Sales?
2: I think that was in 1987. I
1: know I had more hair then. For um, <laughs> I, 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 sure. I all right uh so we want to thank all of them for being here if you want more information they're all on linkedin and we also have their bios and uh contact information on the uh, epi group website um uh i think that's all our housekeeping with the exception of when we finish today we're gonna send a uh, brief survey uh i think it's six questions not counting your name Uh, that we're asking you to answer. If you'll answer those questions and give us feedback about what we gave or offered today and what you got from this, uh, we'll also then provide to you a link that will allow you to replay this and uh, we're recording and I believe we're doing both video and audio on this. So with that, we're gonna get started. Uh, Scott McComb, you're up first. Uh, One to two questions you've been hearing routinely or repeatedly from your clients and what's been your answer to those questions?
2: Uh, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks, Ed, for including me, and, and uh, great to serve on uh, such a distinguished panel. What we're hearing from our clients and from and other community bank uh, CEOs are hearing from their clients around the country is, you know, first of all, what do I do? You know, how am I supposed to keep things moving? Do I lay people off? You know, what, what do I immediately, what's the triage I needly need to, to uh, provide to my balance sheet, my income statement, and my, my organization? Um, and I guess we'll answer those questions, right, Ed, as we go along. Yep, so please. the answer to that question that I we've been giving people is: look, first thing you got to do is take care of your people, because uh, and we're still we're going to go back to the unemployment days of uh, of three and four percent. That's going to happen again until we fix immigration in this country. So so you need to really take care of your people so they don't go someplace else. So we're finding that uh, folks are are um, maintaining in the state of Ohio anyway. You can maintain. Uh, uh you can maintain insurance coverage on your folks and your insurance provider now will also let you um will let you uh you know kick those premiums into the future like do you know, a 30 or 60 day deferment of your insurance premium until the uh the Centobello 3548 or disaster relief funds or something get to your checking account where you can pay those premiums. So we're telling people look if you gotta lay people off, lay people off, but be sure that you keep their benefits intact. And that you have a plan to bringing them back because the Senate bill is going to be covering a lot of that. The other thing that uh, the, the people are asking is, what do I do? You know, with my supply chain and also my uh, uh, my accounts payable and receivable. You know, because pretty much all all offensive orders, if you're in the automotive industry, if you supply hotels or restaurants, if you do anything that's been shut down, the supply chain is starting to jam up. And so, what do I do? You know, I'm not having additional sales. Um, at this point, I think people need to understand that, uh, you know, the, the profitability of this year may be, you know, uh, at, at least these, not maybe the whole year, but this quarter anyway, the second quarter and maybe some of the third is going to be punk. It's going to be uh, tough. Um, however, your bank uh, is not going to be your foe in that regard. So um, this this was not a uh, – this, this uh, uh, effect on business is not a reflection of poor business running okay it is a it is a reflection of uh the fact that the government shut down the economy and so that um in a regulatory environment we've been told by our regulators uh you know do not hold that against folks we're not we're not uh, late payments are not being reported to uh the credit bureau agencies um you know we're, we're on a hiatus from uh, uh passing judgment on anybody's credibility based on the fact that the government shut your business down so uh, that is not being used in credit decisioning currently. So um, and then finally, the final question that people want to ask is, what is in the bill? How do I get relief? And I can tell you right now, that, uh, last week, the um, well, the, uh, in Ohio, anyway, last week, the, uh, uh, the SBA uh, did authorize uh, Ohio as a disaster area and eligible for the disaster loan program. Uh, you can go and apply for that right now. And once you apply for it, matter of fact, in the Senate Bill 3548, uh, you can apply for both things. So if you wanted to go ahead and apply for that today, you can, and uh, and that's going to take two or three weeks to get back to you. But once this bill passes, they're required whether you whether you qualify or not, the federal government is going to give you ten thousand dollars for your business uh, according to the loan program. So so you might as well just go ahead and apply if you've been affected in one way, shape, or form. Let them deny you uh, if that's the case, but at least get that in the queue and start that working. The, the parameters of uh, thirty five forty eight are still coming down the pike. So uh, when those come, we'll have uh, more information and cut sheets that we can send out to other folks uh, really about, uh, uh, about what's available, how they should go about doing it. And, and really what it's gonna cover, just real quick, is gonna be your rent payments or loan interest that you have on occupancy expense if you have installment loans and those kind of payments, those will be covered as well on this legislation, your total payroll, as well as your benefits. Okay. So pretty much all your expenses, uh, which is unbelievable. I mean, something like this has never really happened before. Of course, we've not had to fight a pandemic of this of this magnitude uh, either. So there's a lot of help coming down the pike, but you need to have your documentation. They're going to be basing that off of 2019 results. So whatever you did from February 15th to say May or June of 2019, they're going to average those out and that would be the amount that you can get in funds. And if you maintain employment of all your folks on board, uh, then that loan could be forgiven. So this is direct grants from the federal government. It's never happened before. Uh, unfortunately, I feel sorry for our kids. They're going to have a big bill here to pay with the federal deficit rising, hopefully, we yep. can get our economy, uh, uh, you know, humming to where we can start paying down some of the debt. Uh, but there's a lot of a uh, lot of things on the way here with uh, relief from the federal government. Uh,
1: Scott, just uh, uh, I see uh, Rich Craig from 415 Group's on with us, and I know he's been nodding his head at some of the things you've been saying. So uh, your your CPA accounting firm's going to have a lot of details in this, and and so I certainly that's a resource. Scott, are you going to be posting any of this information on your website at Hartland?
2: We are. We are at Heartland Bank, uh, Bank. We'll have, we have a uh, coronavirus section and it goes up later today. It's going to have okay. all the stuff for the state of Ohio. We've also produced a, uh, a five different podcasts that we just cut two days ago uh, in order to cover all the different angles. Should I refinance my mortgage? How do I get relief from that on a personal basis? Okay. Investment, what I do with my 401k, all that kind of stuff, Ed.
1: All right, good. Uh, we're going to keep moving. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I have Janet up next. Janet on the PR and communication uh, arena. Uh, What are the questions you've been hearing and the answers that you've been providing?
0: Yes, you can imagine that these days, um, people, companies, my clients are very much concerned and um, trying to figure out what to communicate, when to communicate, who to communicate to. I mean, the questions from both an internal external standpoint are, Um, ever coming and ever evolving as this crisis and the situation evolves. Um, But the one that I want to focus on today um, is really about how companies are communicating internally to their employees, Um, because our employees are the lifeblood of our companies. Um, And so there is a very high need um, for companies to communicate effectively um, and what employees are looking for and what they need. so typically right now you have a lot of different your employees are going through personal professional financial um circumstances that they may never have faced i mean none of us have ever faced anything quite like this before our workforce is now dispersed we're working from home we're working with our children in our homes um where we're you know where we're also home doing school from home um, we're working very virtually in a more disconnected manner. So there's a lot that we can do to provide more clarity, continuity and confidence to our employees. So typically, what is worked and what I've been sharing with my clients is there's five, what I consider best practices um, that you could apply and look to apply in different ways to your business. Some of these also really work with external audiences. So while I'm thinking of this with the lens of your employees and talking with your team, um, you could also think about this for external customers and partners and so on. So the first one is um, people really want the truth. Now today where we're at in this crisis, our information and the reliability of our information is still evolving. So to maintain your credibility, speak to the truth of what you know is truthful and factual today to your employees. If you don't know all of the implications for your business, tell them you're in the same boat as most companies. Tell them what you know, tell them what you don't know, and tell them what you're doing to try to fill that information gap. The second thing is understand your audience. Right now, each individual in your company, whether it's a small business of 20 people to a large thousands of people business, every individual is going through a very personal and unique circumstance. So right now is not the time for a one size fits all communications approach. What I recommend is provide a number of resources, support, Um, In information that individuals in your business can pick and choose what actually matters the most and will help them the most that they'll find useful. Um, So in some ways, more communication, if it's the right kind, is better. You really can't over communicate today to your employees and giving a wealth of information that they can pick and choose from.
1: Is it, are you are you are you suggesting Janet that it should be delivered uh, in alternative ways? It should be uh, uh, via social, like uh, they should be delivering that be, via app or on the phone, or should they be delivering it uh, in hard copy? I'm curious about. There's the a lot of think.
0: well, a lot of companies um, have done. There's been a number of things that I've seen work really well. I love Scott's. Um, comment that you're putting up a page on your website that's going to be dedicated to everything related to the coronavirus. That's for internal and external, but a lot of companies I've seen put up dedicated pages on a portal, like an intranet. that's like a go-to, but I also see a lot of um, virtual using more of this type of video conferencing for connectivity, for day-to-day work meetings, but also all-hands meetings, more like small group coffee chats. I've even seen people do like virtual happy hours, just trying to provide venues for connectivity and sharing and information gathering.
1: Okay. I I got one minute left. I got one minute left for you.
0: So I would say the last thing is right now um, there's a time for empathy and a time for people to feel listened to and heard and acknowledged and your leadership and your people managers are on the front line of doing that for your employees um so really really it's time to be able to show that empathy and to understand what everybody's going through let people have a voice and have a venue where they can share um and to help people individually through this um so that's kind of, those are some of the best practices that i've seen work really well and help employees stay connected help them understand where the business is going and what they can do to be part of um, keeping that continuity of the business moving.
1: Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do Lance next, but Alicia, I'm gonna, I want to set you up to think about something. One of the challenges I think for, for business owners is uh, doing something for one employee that they don't do for somebody else. So just make sure we talk about that. If I yeah. forget to ask you about that. All right, Lance, what are you hearing? What are you saying?
3: So, um, over the last, uh, over the last week, I've interviewed a um, about 25 sales leaders in various different industries. And what I mean interviewed, they're all clients or people we've been close to over the years. And it seems to be a common theme with these sales leaders. And, you know, you can equate that to a small business owner. Um, How do we, how do we, how do we actually get the message out? Like, how do we have our salespeople behave in business? It's a big question. Like, and it's, and it's all over the place. Everybody's uncertain, um, I think the big thing, and I was talking to the panel before this, it's it's tactical empathy. You don't want to appear to be uh, tone deaf to what's going on from a sales perspective. I think it destroys your rapport for your brand, your credibility, things like that. I think the other big thing that we're seeing that that's happening is... And uh, we, we did some quick assessments um, of some of our better organizations. We were asked, like, how are we going to be able to sell coming up? What's that going to look like? You know, what did it look like after 9-11? How did you sell your product or service? What did it look like after the financial crisis? Every time something like this happens, how you're going to do business is, is going to be much different. And, and, you know, some techniques like relationship selling, they're all going to be important, but you're going to have some folks that are going to have to be able to seize the moment too. They're not going to get as, you're not going to be have this big volume play like you did before. I mean, you got to think about it. A lot of org charts are going to be re-engineered. People are going to be dehired, um, merge, purge, submerge at some level. Um, we're seeing right now with a lot of clients that, a lot lot of bigger, more complex deals, people are coming back and saying, hey, I want to redo this deal. I want to renegotiate this. So that's going to cause salespeople to have to behave way differently. And some of these older techniques, like um, consultative selling and stuff, it's just not going to work. Your folks are going to have to be able to negotiate without parameters pretty quick. Um, They're going to have to be able to swiftly assess um, a situation. They're going to have to seize the moment. They're going to have to be, so that's the stuff we're looking at right now because we think it's going to be different. Um, I think you get a large portion of, and I'm, I've never been accused in our business or, or people we do business with of ever being a prisoner of hope. I, there is a big group of people out there that says it's going to bounce back. And I I think just 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 listening to what you guys are saying, I agree with a lot of I don't think it's going to bounce back like we think, I think that the landscape's going to be different with how we do business. I mean, put it to you another way. I'm doing a webinar tomorrow. Think about this from a corporate standpoint. A lot of people we do business with are going to go in survival and security mode at some level. And people's buying behaviors and motives change under those circumstances. So deals, in essence, are going to take a little longer to do. So that patience of a fly fisherman or the patience of uh, a hunter at some level waiting, you're going to have to have that. The last thing I would say to everybody is um, I think the big thing that we're going to be recommending to our clients is in all sales, like I'm looking at Rob Ludwig too. I agree, Ed. I probably we want to keep him on mute, um, yeah. but he's laughing. Um, but even even somebody like with Rob's business, um, I think you're. I think a lot of us are going to have to go into like a read offense. So think about it this way: a surgeon gets a patient up on the table. They have a strategy if they're going to do some surgery, but all of a sudden, heartbeat goes down we hit a vein that we shouldn't have. You have to have situational awareness or be like in a read offense. I think that's how we're going to have to sell moving forward for the time being that you're going to, that means a lot, some of your your people that sell aren't going to be equipped to sell like in the future as they sell now. I think it's going to be important. Okay. Um, Is there a resource for um, uh, how we would
1: uh, help and maybe you don't want to respond to this right now think about it but is there a resource for uh, teaching these salespeople to be more flexible in their approach because I know half the battle is getting them to use a process and now we're actually saying we want you to be open to not following the process that you've traditionally followed Lance. So
3: here's the problem right now and I'll say real quick we have gotten more requests you got to think about this way on average uh, business development people spend six to eight Days in the classroom with instructor-led training, people. Right now, all our clients are, and it's augmented by some kind of virtual training or e-learning. Right now, all these leaders I'm seeing are dumping content on people, and they're drinking out of a fire hydrant. And I think the biggest issue they have, and we're gonna, I'm gonna say this in my webinar tomorrow, is I don't think you even have a, a tool to assess the biometrics or essentially their skill sets or DNA. You're just training to train as opposed, and, and you don't really know how good they are. So, from a tool standpoint, most people want to look at some kind of diagnostic tool that can measure competencies. And there's a lot out there. I mean, we have some, but there's a lot of great companies out there that do it. But I but I think if you're not doing that for the future, you're, you may have, it's almost like a bad Eminem song. You got one shot, you got one opportunity. A lot of businesses, you're going to get one shot to do a deal. And, and if you have the wrong person there, you may yeah. lose it. Okay. So tighten up. That's where we are.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Alicia, from the HR legal uh, compliance kind of things, is this, uh, are we in the wild, wild West right now? Uh, uh, <laughs> what's, what's the scenario like?
4: So uh, I, I would say probably 80% of my practice is employer side compliance. Um, and, uh, in the past week and a half, I have learned so many new laws that, (laughs) um, and there's still a lot of questions. And I think that's the hardest thing right now. Um, we're giving advice on laws that take effect, um, you know, April 1st. And we don't have all the details, and we don't have a lot of case law to go on, and we don't know how certain things are going to be interpreted and what the Department of Labor is going to come back and tell us. So some of it is the
0: wild, wild west,
4: um, but I must Say that over the past week and a half, my clients have gone more from, you know, do I lay off now? What happens? uh, Do I furlough? What happens to their benefits? We're getting a lot of those kinds of answers coming through in terms of legislation on the state level and then following up now with the CARES Act. That's really going to be Um, a game changer for a lot of our clients, because, you know, keeping people employed, or even, you know, if they have to go on unemployment, it's going to be something viable that they can do, Um, with the loans and then if people are furloughed or they do have to be unemployed, for example, our restaurant clients, I mean, they they can't operate right now in Ohio. So, um, you know, but their employees are going to be taken care of at least for a lengthy period of time. So that is offering a lot of comfort. And I think that that, you know, the initial panic has subsided. And now that we're getting some of these answers um, most of my questions now are, how do I comply with the Families First Coronavirus Response Act in terms of paid sick leave, in terms of extended FMLA? We've got a lot of clients that have never had FMLA apply, and now they have FMLA, paid FMLA. Um, and, and so we look at a lot of, you know, potential issues complying with those laws that have always been an issue for people that have had to comply with FMLA previously.
1: And um, just, just, just for the benefit of the audience that may not know, FMLA means?
4: Family Medical Leave Act. I'm okay. sorry. All right. All <laughs> and right. typically, it only applies if you have 50 or more employees. And now we've got a lot of small employers out there who are going to be required to give paid family medical leave. Um, and it's, it's very different than um, your traditional Employer who has their own PTO policy.
1: When do you expect that to be uh, really clear about what the uh, do's and don'ts will be for that uh, for those those below fifty uh, organizations? Uh, do you think that's a week? Do you think that's a month to get? Well,
4: um, you know, it, the Extended Family Medical Leave Act only applies for um, under five hundred employees, so it doesn't apply to your big private companies, but um and there are some exceptions for 50 and under we don't have any guidance on that yet i and i believe the department of labor is not expecting any guidance on that until april and the the act is effective april 1st Um, they have issued some follow-up guidance But there are still some questions. And so I I think it's just going to be, you know, for the first 30 days, the Department of Labor says they're not going to be enforcing. Um, Of course, from an employer perspective, you always are concerned with plaintiffs. um, And that does not limit plaintiffs from uh, private enforcement. Um, But I think the Department of Labor is going to give us some, some, a little bit of grace here uh, to kind of sort things out because there are questions that they have not um, given us answers to.
1: Yeah, the the when you when you do a, something like this, there's always the unintended consequences, mm-hmm. and uh, until people start to implement, you really don't know what those are going to be, um, and and so it's uh, back to Lance's point: read and react. Right? Anything else you want to share last minute, Alicia?
4: Um, you know, I think our I do most of our firm's employment law um, in general. Our business attorneys have been on a call every single day. Um, and, and a lot of their advice is changing now with the SBA loans and the, you know, at first it was, well, you know, how do we get out of our rents for our clients that have real estate? You know, how do we, what do we do with rent that's passed due? Um, and that's obviously evolving because there are going to be a lot of options for our clients to get their money back and to, and to make those rental payments.
1: Okay. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to just talk for a minute about management and leadership and what I've seen from the conversations and heard from the conversations with my clients and friends. Uh, but uh, this is a alert for those of you who want to ask questions. Now would be the time for you to go to chat, um, specifically with Joel Kessel, Joel Wave, just so people see you. And Joel is going to be uh, responding to that. So, if you would, please... Uh, uh, start letting him know the questions you would like to get asked by the panel and we'll try our best to get that done. Um, from management and leadership, I've talked with uh, my clients and, and uh, friends um, really, literally outside of the country as well. I talked to my good friend, Alan Crooks down in Australia. I talked to uh, some friends overseas in the, in Europe. And um, it is, you know, this is cl- clearly global. There's, is, what's affecting us here is also affecting them. Um, uh, the, the real issue, it seems to be from a leadership point of view is how transparent to be. Uh, so Janet, back to your point, you know, do I just, uh, uh, open up the kimono and just tell everybody everything that I know and what I don't know. And for the most part, I think that's, um, telling people what you do know and what you don't know is probably beneficial. I, I, I think if I was going to air, uh, right now, if I had a bunch of employees, I'd be inclined to say, Hey, here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Uh, so that's how transparent to be is, is one, one question I'm, I'm getting. I think the other is, do I, if I feel like I've got to make layoffs, if I have to furlough people, do I do it all at once and try to have it over with, or do we do it in waves? And, um, I, I come from, uh, having been old enough to have seen a number of these, uh, scenarios, um, And the rule of thumb that's always served well is whatever you think you need to do, you should double it and then be done with it. Um, So the idea, if you think you need to do 20 percent, I'm sorry, 10 percent of your people to have to be furloughed or laid off, then you would probably go towards 20 percent, overdo it and then be done with it. And then you can remove, hopefully, doubt from people that you're going to have to do this again. But that's, uh, that's also been done in a time of traditional recessions where you really don't know and you don't necessarily have the tremendous amount of stimulus that's going to be provided for recovery that we have here. So in this case, uh, I think if you were to try to do minimal at this point and say, look, we're going to try to make, make this the, the, the least amount and for the fewest people to have to go through this, we're going to, we're going to go uh, as incrementally as we can. But then you also have to be honest that this may not be all. And and so I don't know that there's a good answer to that, but I think you have to look at your business and the environment in which you operate and are you leading or lagging the industry? As as Lance said, we we both know the gentleman that has the equipment rental business and construction. And I would argue in their uh, in their world, uh they probably have to uh uh be inclined to they they're, they're going to get hit later than others and so i think that right now they don't necessarily have to worry about laying off people and maybe maybe by the time it gets to them the 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 business won't be as affected so we don't know but management leadership transparency and then what kind of cuts how much to make how fast is what i've been seeing so i see some questions coming up joel have you fed me any yet uh that you want me to answer okay joel to me um, Okay. Small businesses and other exemptions. Did the final version of the First Family Act give any exemptions for small businesses with fewer than 50 employees? John Odenthal asked that question. Alicia, any ideas there? Small business and uh, First Family Act, did it give any exemptions that you know of?
4: Yes. So that's um, one of the big ticket items that we're waiting for guidance on from the Department of Labor. There is an exemption for businesses that have 50 or under employees if complying with the um, emergency paid leave and the um, emergency federal, uh, I'm sorry, family medical leave will jeopardize the viability of the business um, as an ongoing concern. So what does that mean? We don't know. Um, We don't know how you apply for that. We don't know the factors that will be considered. But what I imagine it will be are because the tax credits that are available under that um, for all of the paid sick leave and all of the paid family leave under that act It is a one for one tax credit and refund um, off of payroll tax. So, you will, businesses that pay those out will get that money back. So, I imagine that the only businesses that will qualify for that exemption will be. if you simply have no ability to wait until your, uh, social security payroll filings in order to get that back. Um, but considering the other stimulus packages that are available, I'm going to guess it's going to be pretty hard to be exempt from that.
1: Okay. I want to jump to a question I saw from, um, uh, Sean Lockwood. Where was his Sean? Sean had one on, um, what do you do when one of your employees tests positive? Um, Uh, Can the panel address best practices for how to handle it when an employee tests positive for COVID-19, communication, HR? What do you say? (laughs) Can you say anything? Should you say anything? Who's got thoughts on that from the panel?
0: Well, I'm happy to share what I've seen happen. Um, And so what I've seen happen both internally and then externally as reported in media is number one, um, before somebody tests positive, there should already be a pre-communication going in companies so that employees know how to share that information with HR and with their manager um, if they do test positive. So having the appropriate information to your employees before the event is important. So if you haven't done that, that's a key thing. Number two is... Um, once an individual has tested positive, there's um, a protocol to identify, to notify all those who have been in direct contact with that individual. I think it's about for the last two weeks, but you could, Um, HR probably would know better about the exact amount of time and you let them know that group knows, gets to be identified and is told what's happened because they've then been put at risk for potentially an exposure and they might want to go and get tested or explore what their needs are if they become symptomatic. Um, The other thing would be the name of the individual is not shared broadly, internally or externally. Um, some choose to share, but from a communication standpoint, I have not seen that widely done. Um, and then at that point, if you, if you, depending on what your current work from home shelter in place type mm-hmm. policy is in, like some companies still have people going in for critical business needs, they're in labs or manufacturing, whatever it might be you probably need to rethink what exactly you're doing in light of that, given you've had your first positive test, because employees are going to get more nervous. You may need to look at greater restrictions or more um, synchronized uh, timing of people being in the office and being together. So uh, there's a number of things that come out of that, but you are going to get more and more questions about what are we going to do to protect our employees.
1: I I guess we probably should have included as part of our panel, somebody from the medical field because the question that occurs to me is, should the business operate under the premise that someone in their organization will get this?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Should should, should our should our planning be that somebody will get it, and so then it's not a question of if; it's only a question of how are we going to respond and what will we do when that happens?
0: Yes, I'm not a medical doctor, but I can tell you from a crisis communications. Right now, we should all be preparing for this to hit us close to home and as hard as we could be hit, so we can, you know, as we've somebody said, hope is not a strategy. So prepare for this as though it's going to happen in your business?
1: Okay. Um, uh, Question, should a business, uh, should a business provide full 100% refund on orders canceled by customers? There's the PR versus the current financial viability of the refund versus a credit. And, um, you know, I I know I've gotten both full refunds from Delta and I've gotten credits, uh, full credits uh, at this point for flights that I had booked that I've had to cancel. So, um, the the truth is, I, I don't, in my own case, I feel like a full credit for the most part makes me feel whole because I know I'm going to still travel at some point. So it's not a question of if. I like the refunds though when I get them. So anybody <laughs> have thoughts about that, about what's the, what's the right strategy there?
2: Uh, well, I can chime in, Ed, if you'd like. Um, you Please. know, as a banker, we would we would uh, say the same thing. I mean, uh, you, you got to remember, this could be the last sale that you have with that client. So just remember that the way you treat them now is going to be directly proportional to the amount of business you're going to get from them in the future. So, uh, you know, renegotiating, I think, uh, you know, Lance was talking about how the you know folks got to learn how to negotiate and how to, how to give up terms. You know, now's the time to work with your clients and, and, and help them find solutions because they're going to remember that when time goes along, we're already seeing where people can't, uh, people can't uh, get a hold of anybody at their big bank. They're calling us and saying, look, we don't bank with you. Can you help us? And our answer is yes. We're going to do whatever we can do, if, even if it's just advice or helping, helping get down life's road. Uh, we're going to help them because they're going to remember that. And uh, this, this is the part where trust, the speed of trust in relationships are made. So I would just think of it that way. We're going to get past this. The government's going to pay for your expenses. If you have lost revenue, that's one thing. But but you. Uh, Take the, the this chance to play offense with these type of negotiations because yeah uh, you know, the fruit's really at the end of this cycle for businesses.
1: What's our PR expert say?
0: Uh, so that's I think you, that...
1: that's not you, Lance. That's just I want to be about that. But, but, Although I really uh, liked
0: his answer, um, so I would just say that I think I think you know Scott is right that what you do today is going to be very telling in how your customers feel about you. And a lot of decisions, buying and customer-based decisions are made on how people feel about you. So you really need to think about that. Now, larger companies have a lot more skin in the game and they have a lot more um, resources to be able to give the credits and the refund. So I do think it needs to be done on a you know, what the decision is can be done on a business by business basis, but how you treat people and how you coach your customers um, facing people to address those customers, you've got to get that right. Um, Whatever your ultimate decision is about refund or credit, just how you go about it needs to be done well.
1: Dan Wiley is peppering us with questions. So I feel obliged to answer at least one of his and and maybe we'll answer two of them. He's got, actually, I think he's got two of them that I I would like us to think about. What's the best frequency do you think as managers and leaders to respond to all hands? Should we be doing an all hands communication daily? Uh, You know, how, how frequently? And, and I think, I'd like to hear from everybody on this, not just Janet. And then the second one is what about, um, Uh, Dan said, what about temperature checks? How are people handling temperature checks of employees that do have to go to the workplace? Alicia, I think that, let's start with that one first. Uh, What's your thoughts there?
4: So, typically that would be completely in violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act, (laughs) but um, under the, because we've been, um, it's been declared a pandemic, um, the ADA does provide for what is called um, medical diagnostic, medical investigation, that kind of thing with the employees. So the way that we've been advising our clients is... Um, if you have the ability to get a thermometer, which isn't available, and, uh, we have a lot of clients that can't get them, um, ask people to take their temperatures before they go to work. Um, if you do have them available, you can put a thermometer in a room with, you know, some, some, uh, uh disinfectant wipes and so that they can take their temperature when they get to the office and then disinfect it. And, um, and then they can self-report, um, I know some larger businesses have uh, you know, nurses on staff, that's a little bit different. Our, our typical client does not have that capability. So I would say in terms of, you know, because medical confidentiality rules still apply. So um, ask people to, tech, to check their temperatures and to self-report. Um, and I think at that point, that's the best you can do.
1: Okay what about the all hands communication versus you know uh, we're big uh, people that work with me I you know, know I'm big on the daily huddle with your direct reports and they in turn with their direct reports the uh, quick check-ins and via that mechanism you're, you're uh, everybody gets touched daily if you will but 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 from the top person Scott like in your case are you commuting communicating daily with the entire heartland organization if so how and and if not how what's your frequency
2: yeah our frequency has been uh, you know our president Brian Montell has been uh, communicating directly and almost daily with with everyone with a blanket message about where we're at exactly is and, that
1: is that is that live or is that on an email uh, email how is he doing that?
2: Uh, right now it's on email and then we have uh, various conference calls with different groups each day. so we have a starting uh, every day a retail conference call there's probably thirty to forty people on there from all the branch network. Uh, and and he's on there along with uh, Alyssa Booms, who runs the branch administration. Um, and we're talking. Everyone has a chance to pipe in. Um, we were meeting with our lenders on a daily basis. Uh, then our accounting groups and all the service areas are also uh, meeting on a daily basis. We're also sending out. We sent out a letter to all of our folks to their home through the Postal Service that they can share with their with their spouse or their significant other that states our position, the fact that no one's going to lose their job, no one's going to get laid off, and we're going to get through this together. So uh, we're we trying to communicate on really three different levels, the local huddles on a daily basis, um, you know, company-wide type communication, and then we're actually going out and communicating to the families at home to give them something that, that reassures them that we're behind them.
1: Uh, elaborate on that last part, Scott. So you're, you're sending information out to the families of the employees?
2: Yeah, we're actually mailing a letter to uh, every one of our employees that, that talks about where the position is, where the bank is. Uh, of course, everybody's looking at the stock market and seeing things go and they, <laughs> they you know make relevations that, oh, geez, maybe the bank's not I like uh, that. strong or is the financial system strong? And so we're trying to answer all those questions for the people at home. That, uh, that are hearing it from their significant other. But, uh, but you know, we can, we can provide a little assurance there, and something that they can hold in their hands that, uh, that we're behind them. Janet so, or Lance, yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, so we, we deal with a lot of um, pretty, uh, pretty big brands in pro sports. And like I could tell you at the Dallas Cowboys, for instance, their, their senior team is doing town hall meetings maybe once or twice a week. Uh, literally just taking questions all any questions relevant like I'm concerned about this or a question about taking people's temperature what do I do here and then what it seems like right now is if you think about your leadership communication or you're more in a joins or consult, a lot of people are micro kind of tactical, like here's what you want to do here, here's what you want to do here. So it's very situational that way. We're doing that every day. And I'm with Ed. We do that. We have about 15 people in our company. We're having daily huddles every day. What's your priorities? What are you doing? What do you need help with? Things like that. Second thing, back to the pricing piece, there's probably a lot of people... A lot of people that run small businesses here and it's a grand effort to say, hey, I'll just give you all your money back. But a lot of a lot of businesses on this own have already used that money to run their business. So that's kind of an issue. Um. You know, you, you're paying Peter, Robin, Peter to pay Paul. So, so a lot of you. if you, Dan had a question. He said, "Well, how am I dealing with vendors, right?" So, there's a couple ways you got to kind of think of this. We, we, for instance, went right back to any. We get paid in advance for a lot of the consulting and training we do. We went to every one of our customers and said, "Look, this is what we're going to do for you in lieu of maybe not doing instructor an instructor led engagement." So we actually gave them a lot of things. So it didn't even come up. We, we, we got proactive about it because we knew it as business. And a lot of the people we coach are in that same situation. We're not a Delta and say, hey, we'll just give you $10,000 back. That's just not going to happen. It's just not there. Um, Dan asked a question about how to deal with vendors. Dan, what I would recommend to you, that's a second question after the temperatures. I would go to your vendors and go, hey, what do you, what do you think we should do? Right now. How do you how should we handle your contract? I'd force them to go first and let them come up with you got a 50-50 shot that will say, Hey, why don't we reduce kind of payments until we get back up on our feet? And if they don't do that, maybe you say you're open for a suggestion. Why don't we reduce payments until we get back? I think you got to get in front of the negotiation a little bit. Because as much as I, I appreciate Scott saying, hey, the government's gonna bail us out, I mean, raise your hand if you're on here saying yeah, I've heard that bullshit before, right? Like I've heard, I've heard that stuff before. A lot of us, like we're looking at this new legislation. It hasn't even been signed yet. People worried about like, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical of what goes on with all the clowns in Washington. So I'm sitting there going, yeah, we're going to get money. When? Uh, I, I got to still make my payroll to them. So I would everybody get in front of your vendors, go talk to your, go talk to your good customers and I think I think it was Janet that said, look, whip out the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People and do it in a classy way. Like, you know, build some rapport with people, ask them for help if you need it. Don't ignore people. Don't hide. But you're going to have to get in front of it and you're going to have to negotiate a little bit because a lot of us are in situations.
1: Alicia, uh, Anthony Gady, I think if I'm saying that correctly, uh, Anthony, forgive me if I mispronounce your last name. Under the new laws taking place April 1st, can privately held organizations legally force employees to take vacation time? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
4: under the federal law, so so what I'll say is up until April 1st, um, that's a yes. If the employee has to take time off for one of the qualifying reasons under those laws, either they're ill or they need to care for a family member who's ill, or they need to take care of a son or daughter whose school or daycare has shut down, then no, the answer is you cannot require um, the employee to first use uh, pay time off.
1: Okay. Scott, any other thoughts? I know you're validating that from your point of view. Did you have something else to offer?
2: No, just we we've just uh, told our folks. You know, it, you have some folks that don't want to work in this environment either. So if they feel uncomfortable, you know, you don't, you can't force them to come to work and, in a certain environment. And uh, I would definitely make sure that your HR people are are treating it very sensitively um, with each individual case of of how people you know react, uh, especially if somebody's diagnosed, because that becomes a HIPAA violation if you if you even talk about those kind of things. And uh, although you're gonna to have to take some precautions back at the shop, you know, we had a client that had a construction site, uh, gentleman was uh, diagnosed, they had to shut the construction site down and, and like sterilize the construction site for a day. And then they, then they started back up again. So, you know, um, some of that information is gonna come out, but um, yeah, obviously you need to just treat it with kid gloves. And then back on negotiating, uh, you know your stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you can't, you need to tell people that you can't do it. If you already spent the money and such and so forth, you just need to work with them though on future things and and take it back up the food chain. So go back to your suppliers and see how what kind of terms and things you can get from them to make uh, a difference in your accounts uh, payable because your accounts receivables getting uh, and getting squeezed as well. So you know you got to work both sides of the. Uh, uh, both sides of the AR and the AP uh, in order to, to create that elasticity that's going to keep you alive.
1: Um, one of the things uh, uh, I, I got a, a description from uh, general Stanley McChrystal that I want to remember to share with everybody. And if you want more details, you can email me or uh, um, let me know on LinkedIn, but it's called responding to a crisis. And he says that under stress, most people tend towards a fight flight or freeze response, so under the fight you're going to probably be decisive fast oriented uh action oriented flight you tend to be inclusive you build coalitions you're going to be empathetic and the freeze it's calm and data driven thoughtful um, and so you're going to try to um, probably, uh, uh, you know, be very analytical in those situations. The, the reason I want to bring that up is not that one of these is, you know, better than the others. I think that you, you you probably have to be thinking about in this situation for this particular issue, do I need to fight? Do I need flight? Do I need to freeze? Um, and and it probably there's a lot of scenarios here right now where doing what we would normally instinctively do is not necessarily in our best interest. Um, so, I would just uh, caution people to be really relying on the, the people you have around you that you know you respect their opinion and be seeking their counsel because I think uh, it's awful easy for leaders in moments like this to kind of go in your shell and and um, uh, as um, my friend Scott McGowan says, uh, your mind's an awful like, like a bad neighborhood. Sometimes you shouldn't be there alone. So if we're caught up in our own thoughts, sometimes it's really not in our own best interest to, to rely solely on that for our, our decision making. Uh, I want to I want to go one more question here, um, Scott. Are you seeing? Oh, actually, I'm going to throw two questions at Scott, and the rest of you may have questions or thoughts of, on the panel as well. But Scott, one is: if I'm strong balance sheet, I'm good. Should I still apply for the SBA loan package? And then the second question is: Are you seeing companies reevaluating their businesses, or thinking about con- reconfiguring their models to prepare for the next step? So, a kind of a pivot. Are they are they literally using this as an opportunity to reshape their business? So, first one: If I'm strong financially, should I bother p- applying for the SBA? And then the second one is: Is is this a time to pivot the business model?
2: It, well, uh, you know that that is going to be. Um uh, there's a gray area there between what they see as a hardship and not. So the one thing that's not identified just yet, and, and we're going to see the law um, come out and we're going to have to uh, interpret what they mean by support. Cause, cause if you have people that are working at 50% capacity, but you still paid them, how does that work? You know, did you totally lay them off? Do you have to totally lay them off in order to prove that you had a hardship? Those are all the kind of the, the gray area things that are going to have to be decided. I would say that if you have a strong balance sheet and such and so forth, and you've not been affected, then, and you can't make a case for being affected. You know, I have some customers their business is booming right now because they're in a certain sector that has been tapped, yep. uh, you know, that, the, and they, they can't keep up with demand. Um, I have, and then of course, you have the middle group and then you have the, the group that's completely shut down restaurants, hospitality, entertainment centers, that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I would say if you're not harmed, don't try to don't try to go through the system because there, yeah, there could be some penalties for that. However, if you can make a case for yourself, why not do it and tell them that, you know, tell, make them say that you weren't harmed? You know, so I don't see there's any uh, if you feel that you were harmed and that can be justified. I don't understand. And you can prove the fact that you have those receipts and, and things for expenses. I, I, I don't know that uh, that I would discourage that at all. And okay. as far as uh, people reinvent their business, oh my lord! And the world is going to change dramatically. I mean, you're going to see things like Zoom, uh, working from home. There, you know, most of the time, the objections for people working from home were based on uh, supervisors in in companies that just didn't want to work from home, and so they would say, "Well, our people," you know, they would uh, say, "Our people can't work from home because we have a central this or central that." Well, when you're forced to work from home, it totally opens up a whole other thing. So you, you learn who can work from home. You learn who can't work from home. You learn how what functions you can do from home that are confidential or that you don't have the systems to do. Uh, but I really think that this is going to be uh, revolutionary. We're going to learn so many things uh, as a business community in the United States because of this experience, looking back and doing a 180 when we're all able to get back in the bar together and cheers one another, right? That's going to happen. It's when that happens. We're all going to be looking back and saying, "Man, what did we learn from this?" And then, secondly, I think, um, unfortunately, I think that commercial real estate might have a little bit of a uh, tune because we're we're not going to need offices everywhere. And so, uh, uh, you know, places like Cohatch and and um, uh, you know Versa and some of these others that have virtual office environments and then meeting environments. I really think that that those are going to be uh, very much in vogue moving forward uh, because people can. I have been proven that that you can keep certain things going, although it's a little clunky remotely. Um,
1: I want to be very uh, uh, cognizant of our time and we're, we're getting close to the end. So I want to start, I want to go to each panelist um, about final thoughts uh, that you're, you're, you have right now, but what you would want people to take away from our conversation today. If you had one, one idea, one thought that you want them to, Keep in mind as a result of, of going forward with their business and to, to be a better, more sustainable business. Janet, what's your thought?
0: That right now is a time for high levels of impactful communication, whether it's internal or external audiences. You really cannot over communicate right now. You do need to be very thoughtful. And, um, intentional about what you communicate and how you're doing it.
1: Is it, uh, I I would think it's, you'd almost have to have a strategy about this is, this is what we're going to try to communicate. And then you get creative about the different ways to do that, Janet.
0: Certainly, certainly. And it needs to be aligned to what's going on with the business and the business strategy.
1: Okay. Thank you,
3: Lance. Hey, we're not hearing you, Lance. Sorry. Um, I think, number one, you got to think how you're going to message to clients. Um, That's a big thing. And sell to them moving moving forward. In some cases, Scott brought a great point. You know, different industries are going to have to handle very differently. And in the moment, it's 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 kind of messaging, not appearing tone deaf, like I said before. I think two, how you're gonna, what the new objections are going to be moving forward, and things are going to slow down. Decision making is going to slow down. Uh, sales will probably get a bit, little bit more complex or be more people involved, and they'll drag their feet on some things. And then I think you need to look at the profile of how uh, of, of who you have doing business for you who are the rainmakers and business development people, account managers. And, and I, I like what Janet said earlier. I, I think you got to have the appearance of level where you're really going to have to put on some creativity with how you sell an approach, but you're also going to have to really have tactical empathy and it's going to be a big part of what we do. Um, and you, you're on the back end, you're going to have to probably have a shrewdness about you. And, and have not one strategy, but maybe three strategy strategies going in. So okay. not, hey uh, uh, I'm
1: gonna I want to back up Janet, best way for people to reach you if they if they want to have questions for you or want some of your insight.
0: Um, you can go on my LinkedIn and send me a private message or post on my page whatever works.
1: Very good. Lance, yeah. best way to reach you. Same thing. Okay. Um, um, LinkedIn LinkedIn box. Okay. Alicia, final thought, way to co- connect with you.
4: Um, my best advice right now is for employers to be patient. Um, employees are, <laughs> I am, <laughs> homeschooling and caring for small children and working full-time at home. And we don't have answers to everything right now. And in fact, my answers to a lot of questions have changed dramatically in the past week. Things are changing so quickly that we just have to have some patience with everyone, um, including ourselves and our employees. Um, And the best way to reach me is, is LinkedIn as well.
1: Wonderful.
2: Scott. Yeah. LinkedIn is the best way to drop me an instant message there and, uh, or, uh, or hit on my page and I'll be more than happy to respond. Uh, Final thought would be, we're going to get through this. You know, the, if this bill passes, the Calvary is coming. It's just a matter of when it gets here and what shape and form it takes. So take care of your people, communicate with your customers, uh, and, uh, and try to pay it forward any way you can, cause we're all in this together.
1: Boy, we sure are. And, uh, it's been, um, uh, you know, the scenario that we find ourselves in is, is, uh, I don't know if it's unprecedented, but sure different, you know, it's sure different than the global financial crisis because there's some clear winners and losers in this environment. Whereas in the global financial crisis, it was just bad for everybody. And it was so uncertain about, you know, how long is this thing going to last? And, and what, what does, a, what does a win look like? There's one piece of advice. I would think it's really important uh, that I want to have people think about, and that is making it completely clear, crystal clear for your people in the short term, what does winning look like? Because I don't know that the way we've been keeping score normally for our business applies over the next, um, you know, one, two, four weeks. I, there, there's a different way of probably defining what success looks like for our business. And we probably ought to think about how, if we were going to say, what, 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 what do we want the business to look like? How would we know we had been successful next week? two weeks, four weeks from now, that may not be simply what shows up on the P&L or the balance sheet, right? It, it, there, there may be some other qualitative things that we ought to be able to identify, identify and say, if those things are happening, we can know we've been doing our jobs as leaders and managers of this organization. All right. I um, I want to thank our panelists again, and Scott and uh, Alicia and Lance and Janet, um, you've been gracious and so um, so flexible in trying to put this all together. So, thank you all for doing that. Um, uh, Secondly, um, you're going to be getting in your email from us a request to fill out a quick survey and it's very quick. Uh, But again, if you will fill that out, you're going to get a link to the recording of today's um, meeting. Um, And then one of the things that we're asking is, do you want another one of these segments with probably either the sum of or or not necessarily all the same panelists, but just trying to also touch on other things. For example, getting somebody from the accounting finance field in in terms of CPA kind of stuff. And I was trying to get somebody from the state of Ohio to be on from their jobs, Ohio, uh, to talk about that. So if you'd like that, if you feel like this would be valuable to have this as a platform for further uh, conversation, please let us know. Uh, Joel, am I missing anything um, in in the uh, wrap-up here? No, you're hitting on all the points. Okay. Well, with that, then, uh, we're up against 12 o'clock. Thank you, everyone. Be, be safe, be well, um, and know that we're here to support you. If you uh, need anything, don't hesitate to reach out to any or all of us in the panel. Be well, be safe, everyone. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.TheEppleyGroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's TheEppley, E-P-P-L-E-Y, group.com. Plus... Take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.